was sharing about camp. Campers are anticipated to come back on Friday, and I thought, anticipated. <laughs> and I thought, I bet some of the parents are getting really excited. Maybe they're going to keep them another day or two, whatever. But uh, it's always a great time at camp, and so I know the kids are going to have a blessed time. And you know what? Do be in prayer, because some of the most wonderful experiences in your life takes place at camp. And so uh, just out of curiosity, how many ever went to church camp? Raise your hand. Yeah, see, quite a few in here. We were at the bank at PNC uh, just last week and uh, taking care of some camp business, actually. And the, she's actually the bank manager. She was asking us, because she had to sign an affidavit as a notary public and all that, and uh, about our counselors or having the proper background checks and what have you. And, uh, and so she started talking about her own experiences of how wonderful her experiences were of camp. And she said it was really exciting because her daughter went to uh, camp um, during her whole uh, growing up years, and, now, and she met her husband there. And now they're about ready to have their first child next week. And, and which would be her first grandchild, and she was as excited as excited could be. And so uh, a lot of good things happen at camp. I met my wife in youth group, and uh, she's a whole lot younger. She's only 39. <laughs> so when she was up here, you probably wonder, I really, you know, robbed the cradle, so I guess maybe, maybe I did. So uh, praise the Lord. Okay, let's have some realism right now. How many is thinking about lunch? Okay, thank you, thank you for those honest hearts because otherwise it might be a few lightning bolts just come, you know. We think a lot about food. Is that not true? How many has ever watched something on TV called the Food Channel? So you're hooked. You're hooked. For one thing, there's someone else who's making food, and you're thinking, that looks so good. I bet I could do that. And uh, you're picking up all these little pointers, what have you. And, and, uh, but we, but we, always, we think a lot about food. We think a whole lot about food. When we were, uh, the 18 of us were in Trinidad just a few weeks ago, we, we were thinking about American food. And it was a different place. And, and everywhere we went, there were mangoes. I like mangoes, but after a while, mangoes get old. And, and they're everywhere. They're laying on the ground. They're laying in the street, you know, and, uh, and it, they're, they're just plentiful. And, and I found out something really cool, too, about the mango trees. The mango trees aren't very big. They're not very tall. And they produce a, a great harvest. And so you've got all these really green mangoes in a huge bunch. And I found out that if you take one of those mangoes when it looks like it's about ready to be, you know, ripe and be pecked, but it's not really ripe, the whole bunch will fall. But if you wait until it's truly ripe, it easily disconnects and you can eat it. There's a really a spiritual principle there if you think about it, picking fruit too soon. And, uh, but food is something we think about. If we can't find it at the grocery store, we go down to the gas station, we go to Costco. How many goes to Costco and to Sam's Club 
and you go there intending to just buy this one particular purchase, but then you can save so much money by buying it in bulk, you know, and, and pretty soon you've just inflated your whole entire budget almost because everything looks so good. And so hunger just is something that we were born with. And we all have different types of hunger. And I want to talk about hunger this morning, but it's really not about food. It's really about hunger for the things of the Lord. And it's a hunger for Jesus. I mean a hunger for Jesus. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm asking you this morning, how many here has a hunger for the Lord? And I'm going to be honest with you, even as a preacher, as a pastor, there are times I can get so overloaded, get this, with church things. I can find myself slipping and my Bible study, slipping in this, slipping in that, because I'm consumed, I'm doing spiritual things. But my first obligation, your first obligation, is always to have a hunger that is for the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. A hunger of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to be an operation within you. I already warned you a couple weeks ago, having just gotten back from Trinidad, that I'm going to mention Trinidad probably for the next 58 weeks. And so at least one time or another, because it's such a great experience for us. And to see all of our kids, teen, teenagers, and adults who ministered, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. But the hunger for the Lord is different when you're on a mission trip. It really is. Because you are focused, you're laser focused. And when you uh, are there, it doesn't matter the age, we knew we were all committed we were all standing at an altar the one morning where 86 uh, young people came up to accept Christ. And everyone was praying with someone. I want the same hunger in the United States that we had in Trinidad. Come on, somebody this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it begins with a hunger for Jesus totally, completely. And the message I want to share this morning I've entitled it, Satisfying the Real Hunger in Our Lives. The Real Hunger in Our Lives. And the real hunger in our lives, you know, I've ate some really good food lately. We've been doing this, we've been doing that. We went to a birthday party last night, went to a birthday party Saturday. I think we went to one Friday, Thursday. It just seems like there's lots of birthdays. Lots and lots of birthdays. And I've got, we've got a birthday today. And so, uh, so, I got to think what we're going to do. We're probably going to go to Max Supper Club. How many of you ever heard of Max Supper Club? McDonald's Supper. Okay. You're slow this morning. I'll tell you what, you didn't get your rest, did you? <laughs> Boy, that was, a, that was a rolling earthquake. Boom. I talked to Katie Peterson's sister last night. It was Katie's uh, birthday this week. She just turned. <clears throat> anyway. So uh, they had a, one of those cruises uh, in Cincinnati on the riverboat, and that was fun. We did all that. And I was talking to Katie's sister, and her name is Sarah, and she lives in California. And we're, so we were talking about the earthquakes, and we're talking about the different types of earthquakes, and I've experienced them as well, where sometimes you have the rolling effect, and then other times it's it just really um, 
more hard hitting. And, uh, and so it, it's, I'll tell you what, I'll pass on all of them. I'll pass on the earthquakes, I'll pass on the tornadoes, the hurricanes. Someone with me here this morning, let's just pass on all that. And let's talk about the hunger that we should have for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I talked with uh, Pastor Cecil Kwamina, and he is the pastor of First Church of the Open Bible. And again, they run like 3,500 on a weekend in Trinidad. They are the largest church in Trinidad. And they have great influence. And they have actually started their own hospital. And the hospital is in its fourth year, and it is profitable. For those of you who are business-minded, you know that that is quite an accomplishment to be profitable in the fourth year. And so he shared with us one day about his first experience of coming to America. And he said, my first reaction was, wow. His second reaction, he said, was, I couldn't believe how much food was wasted. And if you're in Trinidad, food is a, is a commodity that is not always accessible to everyone on the same level. And so, uh, uh, and he's got a point. Uh, I will admit, you know, we, we do waste a lot of food, don't we? And so we need food, and we need the bread of life, and we need Jesus who is the bread of life. Hallelujah. And so I want you to uh, think about this particular verse. In Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger. So in other words, that means how happy you will be when you are hungry. I want, I want you to get that point. I'll, you'll be happy if you're hungry. How many is happy when you get to the restaurant and you get your food delivered to you sooner than what you thought it was going to come? It makes you happy. You want to be fed as soon as possible. And so uh, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. It says in Psalms 107, 9, I like this, in the New King James Version, it says, For he satisfies the longing soul. He satisfies the longing soul. So I'm talking to Gary. Gary, do I have a longing soul for the things of the Lord? Do you have a longing soul? We all know what that phrase means. We're longing for something to happen. You've been waiting for something with anticipation. And so it says, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. With goodness. Hallelujah. All right, let's jump into this. We're going to look at our main text. The main text is in the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John, it's unique because this story is one that everyone, even those who do not believe in, in Christ Jesus, who may refer to themselves as atheists or agnostics, many have heard this story. And it is the feeding of the 5,000. It's very unique in the fact that all four Gospels share the same story some different details that are contributed, but they all have that same story. And not every story, for those of you who are newer in Jesus Christ, you're younger in the Lord, and you're still learning your, the Word of God, you're learning the Bible, 
you'll find out that the Gospels do not conflict with each other, but they complement each other. It's very important to know that because, well, I didn't see this one and that one. That's okay. It complements each other. That's what it was meant to do. And so we see here in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, the story that we're referring to. And it says this, beginning in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd, and by the way, I'm reading from the NIV, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival, remember I shared about that last Sunday in my message concerning the, uh, uh, the Last Supper and Communion. And it says here, the Jewish festival or Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, his disciple, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, and he said, it would take a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, well, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is coming to the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would bless the word today. Your word is already blessed because it's your word. But I pray that, Lord, it would be doubly blessed today, that our ears would listen, that our hearts would perceive. Lord, may we be quickened by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to us today. Give us revelation. We pray, Lord, we would receive your word and just digest it. And may it be a blessing to us. In your precious name, everyone said, amen. Now, I want to break down the text that I just read to you. Because it's important, as, we, as I share oftentimes, to know the context. To know what was happening before and what was happening afterward. And perhaps in the middle. So we start with just a few words. And it says in verse chapter 1, it says, 
after, let me just read back again, sometime after this, sometime after this, Jesus crossed. It's important to know what after this means. Sometime after this. You can read in two of the Gospels, three actually, no, I take it back, two, that something had taken place, a horrible, horrible, terrible event. The cousin of Jesus, we know him as John the Baptist, and he had been arrested and a short time before this story, he was beheaded. He was arrested by order of Herod. He was placed in the prison. He was there for a while. He was protected by Herod because Herod actually enjoyed listening to him. That's always unique for a preacher. When someone who's not a, a believer says, you know what, I really don't believe you, preacher, but you're kind of interesting to listen to. He was interested in listening to John the Baptist, but he wasn't taking part of who Jesus Christ is. He had a big birthday party, invited everyone there. There's lots of liquor flowing. He's uh, getting drunk, and he has this young lady who comes, and she dances before everybody, and he becomes enthralled with her. And then he says something so stupid. It's another reason for not getting drunk, for not partaking in, in alcohol, actually, because of the effects it can have on you. And he said, I will give you up to half of my kingdom, anything you want, up to half of my kingdom. She didn't know what to say. She's like 15, 16 years of age. She goes and asks her mom, and her mom says, I want the head of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had, had uh, said things about her improper relationship with Herod. And Herod was very sad, but Herod had made a pledge, and he had the executioner come and behead John the Baptist and bring his head on a platter. It's probably one of the reasons why we, we hear this phrase sometimes, I'm going to bring you your head on a platter if you do this or do that. And he had his head put on a platter and was presented to this young lady. And so the word had came to Jesus through the various disciples of John the Baptist of what had happened, of what had taken place. It's important to know the background and the setting. So the setting is now Jesus is, he is uh, Ascending up to this mountain, we're talking about like 3,000 feet, that's about the highest mountain or, or whatever that you'll find in Israel, but, it, but it's always very, very rugged, very rugged. And they made their way up to a place where it was a very grassy area and a beautiful area, him and his disciples, and they're up there, and Jesus begins to see something. I want to call your attention to what he has seen. So we know that this is a sad setting, but he's ministering through his pain. He is ministering. You know, one of the toughest things for me personally as a preacher, as a, as a teacher, as a speaker, 
has been to minister when someone in my family is hurting. Because you have to suck it up, if you will, and you're not putting on a front, but you're just bearing down. How many knows what I'm talking about? You're just bearing down to do that what you need to do. This is my job. This is, this is not a job. It is a ministry. It is my commission. It is what God would have me to do. And there's times when uh, I've left Angie at home when she was going through her third bout with cancer. And, and uh, Carice and I were switching off. And so she would come on the weekend and on Sunday, and we would go back and forth. And so my job at this point is to be able to clear my mind and to be reminded of what is needed and necessary for this very moment. And you know what? God is always faithful to do that. If you will trust Him, you can get through any situation in life. Now, I haven't been through every situation in life, but I've been through enough, and I've witnessed enough people who have been in incredible situations, bad, negative, and watch them persevere because they were able to be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. You can be an overcomer. Come on, somebody here today. You can be an overcomer and overcome all situations. Did he just say all Yes, I did. That's caught up with me a few times when I found out that I thought I was going to get something conquered and, and uh, I didn't do the best at it. But in spite of that, I still know that with Jesus Christ, with God, I can do all things. It's important to say the word when you are going through difficult bouts. To know the word will give you the strength to persevere and get through the hardships that have come before you. If you just say it under your breath, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You can do it. Come on, somebody. I'm not just trying to build you up. I'm telling you, you can do that. The Word of God is powerful, more powerful than a two-edged sword. I would ask how many of you have two edge, a two-edged sword. Probably none of you do. But I think they're pretty cool. They are a weaponry of great renown that has been used uh, longer than what our modern today, uh, modern day technology is. But the whole idea of a two-edged sword was that it was a great weapon. And it's sharp. It has to be sharp. It has to be completely sharp before you take it into war, into battle. So I'm here to tell you today that you can win. You can be a conqueror. You can be an overcomer. I am not telling you that you will not have any issues in life, any problems in life, any hiccups in life. There are going to be times of tribulation, is what the Bible says as well. And there will be times of tribulation. But you don't have to be trivialized. I hope you don't look up that word because I just, I'm taking my liberty. Linda's already, 
What do you say this time? I like tribulize. If not, we'll just add it. All I know is that I can do all things through him. Now, how does Jesus do it? Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. He is at a place to minister. He just gets horrible news. The news that has a, a, a terrible, terrible uh, effect on his disciples, on John's disciples, on everyone else. His cousin just got beheaded. But he's thinking, you know what? The Father sent me to this world to do something, and I will persevere. Praise the Lord. By the way, did you know we're on a mission? I talked about a mission to Trinidad, but we're all on a mission. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a son of God, a daughter of God, Christ is in your heart. He did not call for you to sit somewhere. He didn't call you to just sit back and relax. He's called all of us on a constant basis to be busy for the kingdom of, of the gospel. Hallelujah. Jesus is like, what, about 13 or so? And he says, I must be about my father's business. He was someone who knew at a young age, I need to be busy doing what the Lord God has for me. He, it wasn't, well, once I get out of college, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do... No, he was busy at that very moment. Hallelujah. So we read this, uh, these 15 verses, and we, a second uh, verse that I would call your attention to, it says, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. If you examine that just a little bit further... So uh, a lot of people. So it says that 5,000 men were served. 5,000 men received bread and fish. And we know, though, they had wives. They had children. So a more accurate number would be probably approximately 15,000 were on that hillside that he is preaching to. And the Lord sees them coming towards him. A great group comes towards him. Can you imagine in your mind right now, try to wrap your arms or eyes around this, 15,000 people, 12 to 15,000. Here, they're all coming. And so they're making their way to find a place to listen to what the Lord has to say. And it goes on to, to just to say that, that Jesus looked and he saw them and it says in Matthew 14, 14, with this, with this story, again, of feeding the 5,000, it says this, Jesus had compassion, has compassion, or he looked up and he saw a great crowd coming, and he had compassion on them. So, so the same story in Matthew says he had compassion on them. I, I'm thinking... When you walked in the door today and we gather here together in his name, he not only sees you, but he has compassion on you. 
I, I'm thinking 15,000 people walked up that hillside to where Jesus was at, and they were not all looking for something, but most were looking for something. Why did they come? Just said in the scripture. They have watched the miracles taking place. I hate to say it, some people are just, you know, thrill seekers. They're really wanting to see. They really didn't care about believing in Jesus to be Messiah or, or Lord or Savior, but they wanted to see him do some miracles. Hallelujah. They were going to see some miracles that they didn't count on. And so then he looks and he says to one of his disciples, Philip, he says, Philip, where shall we buy bread? Now note, he's not asking Philip for his advice. What should we do right now? In fact, since I've been a little boy reading the Word of God, this story's always blown me away. So like, why would the Lord think, or any speaker think, you got to feed the crowd? If I went to Pastor James, Pastor Randy, you know, hey guys, uh, how should we feed them today? And you guys are going to look at me like, what are you talking about? You want us to go to McDonald's? No. You want us to go to Donato's Pizza or something? No. How do we feed everybody here? Especially if we didn't have any money. Aren't we blessed to have money, by the way? There's no one I know that is totally starving. I know of some who are, who are in bad shape, especially because of some of the tornado damage and what have you. But we are blessed, aren't we? Look around you. You are sitting next to blessed people. It's because we live in a blessed nation. We live in a nation that is a storehouse. If you go to my home state of Iowa, during the time where the combines are out there harvesting the corn or the soybeans, it is an incredible sight. You've got uh, about $750,000 pieces of equipment that are out there, and they're combining, and there's truck after truck after truck after truck containers, and you see the corn coming out of the chute. And then we turn around and we feed the world. You and I are privileged to live in the bread basket of, of the world. We feed more people than anybody else in the entire world. That requires a blessing that my brother was talking about. I believe because of the principles that we have established that are godly principles. And we all know that those principles are being challenged like never before right now. But we have godly principles, godly morals, that has allowed us to enjoy the blessings of the Lord because we have put the Lord first. It may have been said by other politicians, this is not a Christian nation any longer, but I... I highly come against that and say, that's a lie. Amen. You're not speaking for me. You may be speaking for some other people, but we speak for the blessing of the Lord. And so we are a bread basket, and we feed everybody else, and we have God's blessing. So we look and we see that all these people have arrived, and the Lord decides 
Let's feed them. And for some reason, have you ever thought to yourself, with 12 disciples, why does he pick Philip? How many would like to know the answer? I don't know. <laughs> I can just give you some ideas. I can give you some thoughts. I've used some commentary on it before. Not everyone's in agreement. But it would appear that Philip was one of the quietest of the twelve. And I think personally, the Lord Jesus was always mentoring his disciples. And as he is mentoring his disciples, he looks at this particular disciple and he knows exactly what is going on in Philip's life. He knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. And I think to myself, I suggest to you this morning, that he thought to himself, I'm going to challenge my brother Philip. And it's going to be a challenge to help his faith, not to put him down. And so he says to Philip, again, please think with me, 15,000 people gathered around. What should we do to feed these people? He didn't say, you know, he's not suggesting that maybe we should. He said, we're going to feed them. How, would, how do we do it? And Philip, he goes to Judas, no doubt, doesn't say this in the story, but Judas has the offerings. He carries the bag, the money bag. Remember we talked about that last Sunday as well. And he gets a report. How much money do we have, Judas? Man, we have uh, about... 200 drachmas, that's, that's all we've got. It's an impossibility. Andrew speaks up. Andrew, the brother of Peter, he says, hey, this little boy, he's got a few loaves of bread and a few fishes, but. Have you ever inserted but into your faith? The thing that can quickly destroy your faith is but. Because it is a word of doubt. It is a word of but I can't do this. But he was on the right track. I'm thinking if I had been there I would have suggested all these restaurants That's my genre. But good old Andrew says, you know what? There is this little boy here. Okay, so he, he had a moment of disbelieving. But nonetheless, he planted a seed. And Jesus used that. I've always thought that had been the coolest thing. If you had these baskets of food and it just never stopped. Dude, how many, you know, some of you have children, you got kids, you got teenagers, you know, and you spend buku amount of bucks at the store trying to provide all this food and, you know, how many of you buy at least four gallons of milk a week? How many do more than four? How many do five? Five. Do I have six? Do I have six? Oh. 
I remember we always bought a minimum of four, and then after that, it's water, you know. But uh, they'd, drink you, they'd drink you dry. It costs a lot of money. And the Lord here, he is, he is teaching Philip a walk of faith here, a step of faith. And I believe it's because he looked into Philip's life and says, I want to challenge this young man to believe in a way he's never believed. Right now, I want to challenge all of you because this is my text, this is what I'm preaching on, this is what I'm teaching on. I want to challenge you to look at things differently. Philip was not able to look at it differently. His, his idea was to say, let me see what we've got in the treasury. Let's see what I have in my billfold. And, and, and we, how much we can purchase. Andrew said, or maybe we could use these few loaves of bread and fish. Fishes. Hallelujah. How many could stand to be challenged in your faith today? To look at things a little bit differently than what you do. When you look in the normal, you know what you get? You get the normal. When you look in the natural, you know what you get? You get the natural. When you look in the supernatural, you know what you get? You get the supernatural. So when Jesus turned the water into wine, what did he do? He took a natural element with sugars in it and what have you, and he changed it to wine, from water to wine. Hallelujah. Wow. Illustration is uh, the manna in the wilderness. How many remembers the manna in the wilderness? Well, if you were in the wilderness, you ate manna for 40 stinking years. For 40 years, you're eating manna every morning. And what manna was, in fact, the name manna is funny because the name manna means, what is it? I'm not joking you. What is it? And what is it? It was like a, uh, it was like honey, like a wafer, and it would come down in the morning, and they would gather it for that day. Now let me remind you that while that happened every day, except the Sabbath, and so it was doubled up on the day before the Sabbath, that when that came down, they were told, you only gather enough for that day. Well, obviously, they didn't have a freezer. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have storage units. So they can't really collect all that much. But me and you, we would have gathered as much as we possibly could have. Come on, let's just admit it. We would have gathered as much as we could have. Don't look at the Israelites and say, man, you bunch of bad people there. You just didn't follow what the Lord had to say. You know what? We would all tried that. Then we would have all found the same results. The same results was that it shriveled up, it became bitter, filled with worms, and stunk. And I really truly believe that the Lord again was teaching them a lesson. You will look to me every day for your provision. We know the word in the New Testament says, you know, oh, give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever wondered why I didn't say weekly bread? Monthly bread? It's for the daily purpose. We are depending on the Lord God every day of our life. And then it 
and the Israelites had to learn a whole new paradigm in the wilderness. They were in Egypt for so long, they had become Egyptians. And now God was giving them a lesson. You will depend on me every day. I will not give you more. Every day you'll have to look to me. Aren't we blessed? We don't even think about food. We don't think about, uh, you know, having only enough for today. At least I would say probably everybody in this room. But then again, we are truly blessed, aren't we? And so looking at, we look at that illustration in, in the wilderness, and I'm thinking, wow, that is a, a lesson for all of us. Now let me ask you this. When we are dealing with a complex problem, and you begin to pray, when you run into a wall, when you run into a very bleak situation, when you run into a, a terrible hardship, when bad news comes your way, what do you do? What do you do? And how soon is it before you finally say, Holy Spirit, I need your help? Too often we're dealing with the issue and with the problem. This last week, Angie and I were uh, mentoring a young couple, they're pastors uh, of an open Bible church. And we sat down and with them in their living room. They had a situation going on that they really needed some advice, some counsel. And we were talking back and forth. And we were talking about all of the scenarios. And the scenarios were great. You know, it could go this way. It could go that way. It, it was so... You know, complications. And then the Lord just really quickened me. I said, we really need to know what the Holy Spirit has to say. And you know what? It calmed the atmosphere in the room. You want your atmosphere to calm when you're going through very, something really difficult? You just say, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need, I, need your, I need your advice. I need your counsel. The counsel of the Holy Spirit will change your situation and turn it totally 180. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to uh, you know, just conclude with one last thought about the, the story. So it says also in, in John chapter 6, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. And I thought, man, Jesus wanted a take-home box. <laughs> if he was in a restaurant, he would say, they would, and they came up to him and said, do you, you, you want a take-out box? Oh, yeah. He's not wasting anything. I think there's something there about wasting spiritually our lives when he's blessed us with so much. Again, I, I appreciate Mike for his, uh, you know, for just giving us a good word about that corn. And I saw that picture of that corn. And that same day, or day before, I'd been driving out in the country, and the corn was like about this big. You've seen that. And here right behind Mike, it was way above his head. And I'm thinking, 
Oh, hallelujah. I mean, shouldn't we rejoice? Otherwise, why does Romans 12, 15 says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? I'm tired of weeping. I want to have faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask that you get outside of your box. To get outside of the box says to look at things differently. Don't be a Philip thinking, how can I pay my way out of this thing? How, how can I go and buy all that's needed? If you look at things the way Jesus look at th- looks at things, it's a totally different paradigm. We need to have the type of out-of-the-box viewing of situations. Is there someone who's plaguing you? Is there someone who is your enemy? Is there someone that, that uh, you're just grieved over because of their, their conduct, their way of life? Lift them up to Christ. You want to make them uncomfortable? Lift them up to the Lord all the time. And they will get so uncomfortable because the Lord's God, Lord God is going to hear you. He's going to, he's, going to, he's going to turn up the heat. Where you wish you could turn up the heat, and you really can't, He can. Anybody follow me on this one? And you can turn up the heat spiritually by coming to the Lord God and saying, Lord, I am interceding. Or maybe it's not about that at all. It's just about something entirely different. It matters not what it is. But I want to tell you this. You can make something out of nothing. And you can see a blessing take place with, again, just the title of this, of satisfying the real hunger in your life. What is the real hunger? Folks, I drop it right there. But I'm hoping the real hunger that you've got is for Jesus. So we're going to pray, and here's the deal. If you really truly mean that, then you need to turn up the intensity. If you really hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm not talking about, you know, you're not really, you don't really have much of an appetite. I'm talking about having an appetite. An appetite. We need to intensify. And you might say, well, I'm doing actually pretty good. Everybody's doing good in my family. Have you ever talked to anybody lately? Yeah, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Only 50% of the time do I really believe that. But uh, we kind of do that to each other, don't we? We're not always totally honest. But if nothing else, we have a country that's on a skidboard right now going to hell. And we need to be the intercessors. We need to be the people who stand up and say, we are the remnant. And because of our prayers, we make the difference. I don't care what liberal agenda or whatever you want to call it. We have the power behind us that is the real power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we have come here today to celebrate who we are in you. We have come to sing, to give praise unto your name. Lord, we are, Lord we're excited with hearing testimonies of what has happened in the, the lives of believers, Lord, and, 
and we're excited to just to see changes that take place in those who turn their lives over to you. And Lord, we, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for constantly loving us so much, even in times when we really don't deserve that love. But Lord, you constantly care for us, and we ask today that you would help us, Lord, to do something, and that is to become extremely hungry, Lord, extremely thirsty, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. May righteousness, O oh God, prevail in our lives, and may righteousness come upon a nation again in the way, O oh Lord, that it needs to be. And Father, we, we lift up one another in this room. We lift up our city. We lift up our state. We lift up our nation. We lift up our president. We lift up our Congress people, our senators. We lift up the authorities, O oh God. We lift up the, Lord, the issues, the situations that have become so prevalent, O oh Lord, that they cover the headlines constantly, and much of it being evil. We pray, Lord, that you would help us, O oh God, to be a standard bearers of your word. And Lord, we pray that it would start, even this morning, with lighting up the flame that is within us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Linda, if you could play that song again, that that Amber sang, Oh, Come to the Altar. And, and just as that's playing in the background, folks, you don't have to come up here. You can if you want. But I want to invite you to raise your hands today unto Him. And as you raise your hands unto Him, think of yourself as a small child raising your hands unto your parent, saying, Dad, I need you. Mom, I need you. It's what you see when that small little one lifts their hands. And as we are lifting our hands, we are saying, empower us. David said, thy loving kindness is greater than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you. I will lift up my hands unto your name. Hallelujah. If you need to change your life around, if you're not following after Christ, that's the first thing you need to do. As we're just praising the Lord here, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. It's bold, but you can do it. If you need to recommit your life to Christ, if you need to commit your life to Christ for the very first time, find an altar just find an altar up here don't be worried about all the people that's in here we're all just sinners who found grace we're blessed because the Christ is in our hearts and we went through the same the same commitment process now we're not going to sing the song but we're going to ask the Lord God. And I'm not wanting to fill your mouth with the words. 
but I'm going to give you the direction. And here's the direction. Oh God, intensify your fire in me. Help me to be hungry like I've never been hungry before for you. Help me to thirst after you, oh Lord, like I've never thirsted before. Holy Spirit, give me power like I've never had before. Would you just do that right where you're at? You can do it out loud. You can do it softly under your breath. I encourage you to speak out. Hallelujah. Come on, let's do that. And if you want to commit your life to Christ, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, just come and find an altar. Hallelujah. While the rest of us are praying. Oh God. Oh God. Forgive me, Lord, where I have fallen, where I have failed. Oh God, help me today to become stronger in you than I've ever been before. I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would baptize me anew. The people in this room, baptize them anew in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For those who have never asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, may they do that even this moment. Holy Spirit, baptize me in your power. It's in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, where it says, eagerly desire after spiritual gifts. Oh, Lord, we eagerly desire. Lord, cause there to be a hunger in our lives this morning, in our children, in our grandchildren, in our teens. Oh, God, we come to the altar today. Oh, Savior, there's no one like you. Come on, are you recommitting your heart right now? Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We need you every day, oh God. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you, we praise you. Hallelujah. Would you just turn your thoughts towards the people who are around you? Maybe you don't know them. That's fine. Would you just begin to pray? Lord God, I pray for the people on my right. I pray for the people on my left. I pray for the people in front of me, the people in back of me. Go ahead, just think about that. Begin to ask God's blessing. Lord, I pray for a blessing that cannot be contained. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, as I just, I just take my hands and I just wave them right and left. I pray, Father, for the gifts, the blessings of heaven just to fall upon your people. Lord, I pray for those who need a repair in their relationship with a loved one. Perhaps it's their wife, it's their husband. Lord, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of the Lord. Oh, we thank you, O oh God. May there be a, a temperature that's rising up within us in your precious name, in your precious name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Don't forget, we got kids coming to camp. Got to have them here tomorrow morning by 10. They're leaving it, or...
Leaving at 10. All right. God bless you. Shake hands with someone as you leave this morning.